For decades, America has struggled to combat the harms of drug use, but the harms have increased and the fight is endless because we've been wrong. What if we changed our drug policies to actually decrease the harms of drug use and increase thriving for all of us? Our criminal approach to drugs had a beginning and it will have an end. Join us on the journey to end it for good. Welcome back. I'm Christina Dent, and I'm along with my co-host and producer, Mike Madison, and the End It For Good podcast. Join us on social media at End It For Good MS. Today, we're addressing a question from one of our events, um, and that was, um, won't legalization continue the moral decay in our country? I wanted to go a little bit deeper into that because I think that's a very deep and visceral fear for people who are still supporting the drug war. Maybe they see the harms of it, but just aren't sure that they can actually support a different approach because it feels like they're just, you know, continuing to to throw morality down the tube and they may feel like that's been happening already. And how how can I be part of something that's going to, um, you know, make it even worse? So they might think criminalizing might cause terrible harm, but how do I know that legalization wouldn't be even worse. So this question is echoed by many people that I talk to. Um, and I think at their at the core, it's really a deeply held fear that people have about the, the unknown of the future. Um, and, you know, the devil we know versus the devil we don't, maybe it would just be like epic, epic disaster right. instead of just one epic disaster yeah. <laughs> that we have currently with the drug war. Um so what I see in my work is that unless people can be convinced that the future would actually be markedly better than the present uh, if we legalize drugs, they just they will not change their minds um, in favor of changing our laws, no matter how much harm is currently being done. Um, and some people are more concerned with measurable harm, such as overdose deaths and crime. But I think more people are actually asking uh, this question is just, you know, won't won't it just erode the moral fiber of our country even more. Mike, what do you think about this? Well, I think, um, you know, to me, when you picture drug addiction, when you just look at it kind of from the uh, probably the popular view, people laying in the streets, uh, the crack house um, image, and that is the decay that, I mean, even I would wrestle with. I think it's one of the first things that pops in your head when you think about legalization. Crack houses everywhere, people laying in the streets, people running up and down the street being insane. But those are... <clears throat> Those kinds of things have been happening with the current drug war going on. And because so many people, because of it being an illegal, uh, you know, a situation controlled by law enforcement, they're forced out of mainstream. You don't see that with alcohol. Now, you can go to a bar and you can see people out of control there. But it is it doesn't degrade the entire society because those people do in limited areas, you know, behave in a, a manner that many of us wouldn't wouldn't condone necessarily. I think that the drug war puts the the chaos into the streets that most people imagine as a consequence of drugs. I don't mm-hmm. think it's just the drugs itself. You don't mm-hmm. we don't worry that with uh, legalizing alcohol in an area or I mean it's already legal, but we don't think we're going to automatically step over a drunken bum every single day. We mm-hmm. don't think we're going to see the same level of chaos from liquor, mm-hmm. you know, being legal. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I was struggling uh, through a similar question to this, which was whether legalization was compatible with my uh, worldview. And I think this might be what people are getting at when they talk about, you know, is it leading to increased moral decay? The feeling that they're struggling through is, are my values going to be compromised by doing this? 
Uh, so a couple years ago when I was first uh, learning about legalization, I was really becoming convinced that it could be the best path forward. But I had this nagging suspicion that maybe the people whose work I was reading, you know, didn't share my faith and values. And so, you know, if I held legalization up to my values versus their values, then I would realize that I couldn't support it after all, even if, you know, it was kind of the, you know, research-wise, you know, better, yeah, yeah, yeah better outcomes. Um so I think my very my, my fear was kind of similar to this moral decay question um, of, you know, is this just against my value? So when I first read the book Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari, um, which I talk about all the time because it's fantastic, he mentions towards the end that he decided to do a pro and con list for legalization. And he, so he has this whole slew of items on the pro side for legalization. And he only has one on the con side, which is that non-problematic drug use might go up slightly. So if you've listened to the show for a couple of episodes and if you've read that book, you'll likely be aware uh, that Johan Hari and I are coming from radically different worldviews. I'm a Christian. He self-identifies as an atheist in his second book. I'm politically conservative. He's definitely not. So I decided I was going to make my own list, wondering if our different worldviews and values would produce different lists of pros and cons. Um, And I wondered what my own list would look like and if it would be clear to me which side I wanted to support as I live through the lens of Christianity. So I went through his whole book um, along with another detailed study on the last several decades of drug prohibition, and I created a detailed spreadsheet. Uh, <laughs> of course you did. My, <laughs> of course you did. My, my perfectionism. Um, of all the harms of the drug war and all the positives of legalization and any positives that I could find from prohibition, like, you know, maybe it's doing some good things even with all the harm it's doing. And I was dumbfounded to find that my list looked exactly like Johan Hari's list with a very different worldview behind it. And yet my pro and con list looked exactly the same. Um, and even even with those deeper values at play, I wasn't coming up with a whole bunch of different answers to those questions than he did. Now, if I had made that list before I understood the deeper causes of all the drug harms that we see, uh, it would have looked very different. I would have said, you know, that legalization is going to increase crime. And so I would have put that on the wrong side of right. the list. Um, but now I know that it you know, would decrease harm. So that's on my pro side for legalization instead of my con side now. So I had this huge spreadsheet of like 100 individual drug harms, things like, you know, the underground market turning users into dealers, people engaging in prostitution just to pay the inflated prices that drugs have on the street, people dying alone of an overdose because they were trying to hide, you know, so as not to get arrested rather than using where somebody could have revived them. Um, you know, with Narcan or something like that, all sorts of these harms. And then I categorized them into like 20 different categories. And I realized that all of them, every single drug harm that I listed would go down with legalization. And I only had one thing on the con side of the legalization list. And that was the same one that Yohan Hari had come up with, which is that non-problematic use would probably increase slightly. So it's important to note that term non-problematic use. So that's you having a beer on a Friday night while you watch a football game. That's your friends having a glass of wine when you meet at a restaurant. Alcohol is a drug. Those instances are non-problematic drug use. We could use the same thing for, you know, marijuana, smoking a joint on your back porch when you get home from work, Um, you know, and yet you go to work every day and you have an otherwise productive life. Um, And that's one of the things in Chasing the Scream that Johan Hari did. I can't remember the statistics. You might know them, but 
the vast numbers of people across the spectrum of different kinds of drugs that have non-problematic use. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not just marijuana, mm-hmm. but even some of the harder things. Yeah. Some people take them recreationally, yeah. but don't develop an addiction or a dependence on them. Right. And he yeah. makes a great point in there that, you know, um, across the board, even with harder drugs, um, there's about a 10 percent uh, misuse rate of people who are using um, that that across the board, about 90 percent of use is non-problematic of other substances. And so that's just mind blowing to us. Like yes. that can't possibly be true. But he makes a great point. That what we see is the 10% of harmed people because their use is spiraled out of control. And now we can see the harm in their life. Right. The other 90% are going to work every day. Know. And you don't know. Yeah, They're you don't going know if to I the grocery store. Night. No. Yeah. And I don't know if, you know, somebody used cocaine Saturday morning when, the, you know, I, I don't know. It's right. like, it, that's not part of what I see. We only see the people whose lives are harmed by these substances. And so, the other 90% that are using non-problematically, we just don't see. And so we don't have this um, fully formed view that we have with alcohol where we see the harmed 10% and we also see the unharmed 90%. Um, now, I think there's very, you know, I'm not a substance user of, of any kind. <laughs> I, don't, I don't drink either. Um, and I think there's this part of me that that absolutely just wishes like, oh, I just wish people didn't. Because like 10% of people are really harmed and it really harms their families. And, you know, there's a part of me in my mind that's like, if nobody used it, then we wouldn't, the 10% would never be harmed. Well, you know, that's funny. That's how I feel about food because I'm big into natural health Mm -hmm. and diet and type stuff. And I look at people in the grocery store and I think, oh, if they just didn't have all these products here, people wouldn't be so sick and they wouldn't Mm -hmm. have some of the other issues. Mm -hmm. So there's always that thing out there that we look at and say, but, you know, the one thing you talk about, the moral decay of the country, I think the one thing that's worth mentioning is that the drug war is relatively new. Uh, Mm -hmm. historically, Mm -hmm. that back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, I mean, heroin was in uh, in the drugstore and used. Mm -hmm. And yet we progressed as a society, not saying there wasn't some harm to some people back then. But back when heroin was legal in the United States, it didn't bring us to a screeching halt and we didn't devolve into some, you know, country of just nothing but debauchery and nothing getting Mm -hmm. done. It was treated like a product at the time. Yeah. And it was in misuse of it was treated like a health issue. Right. You could go to a doctor. They could prescribe you heroin, um, you know, to, to keep you out of withdrawal and to try to help you to slowly, de- you know, decrease your amount of use over time. But it allowed you to, you know, keep working and keep parenting and keep, you know, the right. rest of your life on track instead of being on the streets chasing heroin, you know. 24 hours a day. And so it's been done that way. Mm-hmm. And we were a very prosperous, as a matter of fact, is one of the best economic times in the history of the United States was late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, so we didn't devolve into something else. And I think that's yeah. something people don't even really realize. Yeah. So we have a hard time envisioning that non-problematic use for other drugs because it's hidden. But it is a very real and measurable thing that exists all around us. It's just hidden to avoid arrest. So uh, some of you listening might scoff at that idea um, that use would only go up slightly. But if you look at use of marijuana in Colorado, it has only gone up slightly. And they legalized marijuana for adult use there five years ago. Uh, It hasn't skyrocketed. It went up slightly the first couple of years, and then it's kind of leveled off. And that's marijuana, which is by far the most popular illegal substance there is. Um, 50% of Americans have used marijuana in their lifetime. So if 
if use only increases a couple percentage points, even with the most popular illegal substance becoming legal, we just wouldn't expect to see anything different than that from these far less popular other substances, such as heroin and cocaine. Uh, you know, they're even, ev- you know, lifetime ever use rates are way lower than 50 percent. And yet even with with a substance that many people have tried, um, you know, you make it legal, it, it just doesn't go through the roof. Most people are using it illegally right. who want to use it. I think the, the opening the casinos in Mississippi is kind of uh, similar to that. I'm, I would imagine there was a big, you know, a big bump in people that rushed to the Mississippi casinos uh, to check them out when they first started. But, you know, there were a lot of people predicting, oh, this was going to destroy our state. This was just going to take us mm-hmm. under. You're going to have a bunch of gambling addicts. And I'm not saying there haven't been some problems along the way. I'm sure some people yeah. have done some. But the novelty wore off, and they've just they've just been a part of society. But there wasn't this widespread chaos from bringing right. casinos into Mississippi. Yeah, I still don't frequent casinos. I, I don't either. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and they're here. I, I, I just don't ever, use them. But. <laughs> um, so even if you look at people say, "Oh no, you you can't compare marijuana." So let's look at alcohol use. The history of alcohol use in the United States. Alcohol use today is the same as it was in 1945. So it's gone up since then. It's gone down since then. It's gone up and down in between. But alcohol use has not been on an upward tra- trajectory of skyrocketing since the end of alcohol prohibition. Yeah, there There is a ceiling at which there are a certain number of people right. who want to use this substance, whether or not it's, it's legal. You know, alcohol is legal. I can go buy it. I just – I don't like it, so I don't drink it. Um, but they're just – this fear that we have that if something is legal, everyone will use it and we will devolve into chaos. It, it just isn't true. Alcohol has been, uh, you know, not only has it been legal for that long, but, you know, largely it is destigmatized, um, you know, across society. People, generally speaking, don't look down on you if you have a beer or wine. Um, so even without the stigmatization of criminalizing people, who are drinking alcohol, alcohol use has just gone up and down but remained relatively the same since 1945, a time when when most people would, you know, kind of look back and say, wow, you know, that there were some, you know, uh, family values back then. And, you know, we didn't, well, you know, there's a, there's a percentage of the population that wants to use alcohol and the rest who really just don't. Right. And that seems to be true of other substances as well. So for me personally, as I think about moral decay, I actually think we've given up immense amounts of moral ground in order to support the drug war. Millions of people's lives have been destroyed by it. Tens of thousands have died of preventable overdoses. Tens of thousands have died in extreme violence from the underground market. I would not be doing this work if I didn't believe that it would save thousands and thousands of real people's lives. So as I see the overflowing cons category um, from criminalization and the almost empty category of cons from legalization, I think the greatest weight of moral decay that hangs in the balance is not what could happen if we legalize, but what is happening because we've criminalized. So how do we end our criminal approach to drugs? By changing one mind at a time. Many people are only willing to have this conversation when they are invited to by someone they trust. That's you. Invite your friends, family, and people in your circle of influence to consider a better way. At End It For Good, our hope is that people who hear will become people who tell. Join the movement to end it for good.